Hey everyone, I'm Matt. And this is Lucas. And this is Thanks for Playing. The podcast where we break down the most iconic video games this world has to offer. Now, give me, say that again. I'm on a little more energy. <laughs> say, give me okay, that again. Okay, okay, okay. The podcast where we break down the most iconic video games the medium, the world, has to offer. <laughs> Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas, man! Merry Christmas! This episode's coming out on the 24th of December, I think. Uh, I think that's that's what we're aiming for, a little holiday special for the fans. Uh, I think I think this is going to be going to be a fun one. We got a special episode today. Uh, Lucas and I have both been pretty busy and we thought the best way to, you know, cap off this year and kind of start a fun tradition here on Thanks for Playing would be to kind of do a year recap and just kind of go back and look at all the games we've talked about this year, all the games we've played for the podcast, um, and kind of just see where the conversation takes us, you know, and <laughs> at the end of it, we'll get each give our top three, and then those top three are the ultimate top six games of all time, and maybe top four or five, there's some overlap. Um, IGN has nothing on us, no one has anything on us, that's just kind of the definitive answer yeah, after that. Yeah, yeah. And really honestly. quickly, before we do get into it, um, Hades won IGN yep. of the year. I wanted to talk about yep. that. Real quick. That is that is very very new, fresh news. Hades Game of the Year IGN twenty twenty. Wow, it's pretty exciting. Uh, it's pretty cool yeah. that a roguelike won it too, which is I'm, yeah. I'm happy it's... to see that rather than just like a <laughs> random like AAA studio, like a smaller thing. It is pretty cool. It's it's Super Giant's first Game of the Year. Um, they are a studio that just seriously is great. Knocks out of the park all the time. Um, and has really been like a staple to like since indie gaming uh, has taken off, you know, with their first game, Bastion. Um, and you know, that Bastion, they oh, got, they did Bastion, they did Bastion, yeah, they oh, did Bastion, they, done? they did Transistor, they did Pyre, and oh. this is, I believe, their fourth game. Um, and the audience can correct me if I'm wrong, but um, Hades, uh, Roguelike, uh, which has gotten a lot of, um, you know, obviously really great press throughout this year. Um, I've played it personally. We haven't done it for the pod. We're planning on doing it very soon for the pod. Um, but yeah, I'm totally in agreement with that game of the year from IGN. It beat out Ghost of Tsushima, Cyberpunk, some of these gigantic yeah, games. Animal Crossing crazy. beat out Animal Crossing. I thought crazy. Animal Crossing was going to take it, to be honest. Yeah. I'm pretty yeah. surprised it didn't. That's... um. That's interesting. I didn't. I didn't realize that they had done Transistor and a bunch of other bigger, or I guess not big necessarily, but very well known games like um, yeah. that and Bastion. That's pretty cool. Yeah, man. I've been playing that in like bits and pieces. It's a super fun game just to play like right before you go to bed, you know, or get like a run in here and there, yeah. and then go to bed sad because you get trounced or something. But <laughs> you always die. There is no escape. You always die. You always die. Pain. <laughs> All right, man. Before we do dive in to our uh, intriguing discussion we're going to have here. I really quickly want to give a shout out to one of our reviewers from uh, Apple Podcasts because unfortunately Spotify does not have a review function yet. Maybe they'll work on that in the future. I don't know. So today we are going to highlight a review from that. I'm just scrolling, just scrolling. Um, we'll go from Baron, Baron Dead, Baron Dead. Um, we just have so many reviews, you know, so it's hard many. to pick one. It's hard to pick one. Um, from parented. Oh my God. I lost. Okay. Lucas and Matt really break down games differently than anywhere else. You can tell the true passion and love they have for video games, art, and everything else involved. 
The next time and effort, the time and effort they put in every podcast makes this an instant listen every time a new episode drops. The variety of games played and the new takes they have on games make the commute drive home. Oh, uh, someone's driving. Someone's going to work. I would recommend this podcast to anyone who loves anything about gaming from the casual gamer to a pro CDL team. Not going to lie. I kind of think I read that one before. <laughs> That's okay. They no, no, no. There's, there's I, I several other to pick from. I don't There's think all there to pick from. I don't think you have because I, I feel like I would have pointed out the fact that someone was driving into the office during this pressing time. This is I, true. Yeah, this is true. So someone. I um. God, I keep forgetting to get it pulled up. But one of these times, I'm going to read the shitty one we got from the guy that called me a big idiot, <laughs> just <laughs> Dude, to just to make one. a point that I will do anything, um, or I will read anything, good or bad reviews. That said, though, you know, if you enjoy this podcast, feel free to leave a. Uh, review and subscribe on itunes really helps us out helps us get more organic growth get noticed and maybe you want to chat with lucas and i maybe you want to you know say hey or have a question answer on the podcast we'd love to hear from you you can hit us at thanks for playing pod at gmail.com choose with your questions your game recs your criticisms your hate mail your death threats at this point we'll take it all <laughs> we're not we're, uh, we're not picky right now but all that said without further ado Say, say nice begin. things. I mean, say nice things too, <laughs> please. We we like nice things. Nice things, but like, yeah. I'd be kind of flattered if we got a, a death threat at this point. To be honest, yeah, yeah. I mean, those are those are you know. I, I mean, guess, to uh, provoke that kind of emotion from someone. Are you yeah. kidding me? I'll take it, that. It, it's probably the Super Metroid episode that would provoke people. To, probably to do that specifically <laughs> at me. <laughs> All right. Without uh, without further ado, it is time to begin. Drumroll, please. Hey, thanks for playing your recap. Oh, wow. All right. All right. Return of the Oberdin Lucas. Our first, actually, you know what? I want to give a special shout out, actually. I want to give a special shout out before we get into the meat to Papers, Please, another game by Lucas Pope. That Lucas Pope. is the uh, game Lucas and I did as a proof of concept for this podcast it was us just having a conversation i think over like a phone call maybe like some really crappy we were using zoom yet i don't think it was just like recorded with some like shoddy software lucas was using airpods and it was just us like <laughs> it, was. it was just us talking i we was comfortable yet i wouldn't interrupt him he wouldn't interrupt me it was just like us going like taking turns like speaking like Yes, good point. I think this. Yeah. <laughs> and hey, we we had we knew we had something though. We knew we had something. Like, when we played it back. Papers, we're please. like, well, it wasn't terrible. Yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like I maybe see, do see something. Some potential. There's yeah. something going on there. And wow, one day uh, for a big celebration, you know, we we will release that unfiltered episode for you, the people, the fans, because I think the world deserves to hear it, okay. and they, they deserve to hear our raw, unfiltered emotions <laughs> yeah so so that was the first proof of concept game that we played so for our first episode of the podcast the official first episode we decided to play a game by the same exact developer um lucas pope lucas the pope. fucking goat the goat, oh my god dude, dude. <laughs> uh as a, as a singular like real unique uh auteur I, i'd call him would you call him an auteur matt sort of a, a very unique uh visionary in the gaming world creative mind very unique that is yeah. without a doubt. I would just a genius, honestly. <laughs> uh, I don't think there's any other way to describe it. He's, um, I mean, from the art style to sound design to everything, it's just so unique. Yeah. And like talking about the game itself for just a minute, name one game like that, you know? Yeah. Oberdin. 
Overdid. Yeah, nothing. Nothing you can't, exists like that. Like here. you could talk about like other detective style games, like maybe um uh, what is it? Phoenix Wright or yeah. the Detector Heavy Rain, Detective something. He- Heavy Rain. Heavy Rain, LA Noir. I mean you got LA detective Noir. games, but but nothing like the Oberdin detective game, which is And like, moreover, you're not even playing a detective. You're you're an insurance inspector. That's the best part. It's <laughs> <laughs> <That's> incredible. <laughs> yeah. And for those of you, just a quick recap on, on Oberdin. Oberdin is a murder mystery game in minimal color. Um, it's a soup has a super unique art style where everything's sort of in black and white as an homage to classic Mac computer color and games. Um, it's a super unique game where you play as an insurance salesman with a magic stopwatch that sees, uh, you, you board a ship that has come back after every single passenger disappeared and the ship floated back into the Harbor. You are armed with just a compass that is able to see somebody at the moment they die. You are given a ledger of what is it? Fifty people. It's a fifty people. Yeah, it's yeah. incredible. It's extremely overwhelming. And, and you have to you have to fill out the ledger individually for each person who they were, what their name was, how they died, uh, and what what their fate was really. Um, so you have to use the power of deduction for fifty passengers on board, um, and all you get to see is little snapshots of when someone died. It's such a cool game. Um, I loved it. Personally, I mean, I was thinking about that game day in and day out while I was beating it, while I was playing it. I fell asleep thinking about that game. I woke up ready to play that game with some coffee every morning to figure out how everyone died. Uh, loved Return of the Overton. Matt. Yeah, no, it was. I had a rough start to that game, to be honest. <laughs> um, it, it was, you know, if you go back and listen to the first episode or the one we did on this, rather, it, it is very clear that I am. I struggled. I struggled with this video game. Um, it is a uh, it is big brain, big brain thinking. And um, in the past six months, I have grown. But <laughs> at the beginning of this journey, my brain was not tuned in to this kind of stuff. It was small, it's minuscule, uh, an acorn, <laughs> if you will. <laughs> and I was struggling with the game, and it was really hard, and I wasn't having that much fun. But then once Lucas gave me some, actually. Shout out to Lucas. You gave me some really good tips because you gave me tips in a way that it like, it was actually like a tip, not just straight up. Oh, this is how you do it. Really good tips on how to look at things differently in the game and how to kind of better dissect scenes and not just kind of get tunnel vision and narrow minded at certain parts. And then once I was able to start looking at the game more clearly and get a better picture, I was like, wow, this is phenomenal. You know, from like looking at little things like, Oh, Here's the main scene, but actually you need to look at something in the background. And then little things like, oh, there's this crazy scene happening in front of you. What you actually need to pay attention to is the conversation happening, you know, um, five people away from that. And the combination of all those kind of neat, you know, detective sleuthy features packed into one combined with the art style and yeah, just the great sound design. It was a game you couldn't stop thinking about. And honestly, of all the games we've played, I think I think about it the most. Really? It's kind of crazy to say. Because wow. I'll hear little like sound cues come up sometimes from like a TV show or like little bits. And I'm just like, oh, it kind of sounds like O'Brien, something like that. Like that's six, seven months later. Wow. Within wow. June. Wow. We've been doing this for half a year, folks. Crazy. <laughs> um, six, seven months, something like that. Um, all that time ago, it, it's still like those sound cues still resonate with me. I still get enjoyable flashbacks to, you know, going back and discovering, you know, new people in that game. And it's just, it really did leave a huge impact. Yeah. Yeah. It really did. Um, awesome. 
Yeah, solid game, highly recommended. Um, the music is a ten out of ten in the game. The actual game design itself, ten out of ten. Oh yeah. Um, if you're if you're into mystery, if you're into cool art styles uh, and anything pirate themed um, or sea lore themed, check out Return of the Oberdin by Lucas Pope. All right. Uh, will that be our number one? We're just gonna have to uh, have the audience wait till the end of the episode to figure. Dude, we out played. We played some because we played a lot. Some we played a lot of really great. Yeah, kind of crazy actually. Um, num- our, our second game we played. I'm gonna go ahead and introduce this one, Matthew. Second game we played, a little game called a little game called Titanfall Two. Okay, Bro. sci-fi <laughs> action adventure game. Um, obviously has a really great legacy already um inside of also related to the apex legends universe which i mean who the hell doesn't know or apex Apex, um one of the most popular (laughs) um battle royale games uh, out there right now titanfall 2 is you know in the same universe same company um great game fucking awesome game uh great great physics movement um, I love the science fiction elements. I love the acrobatics. It's a wall running, shooty, jumpy, kinetic ball of energy video game. Yeah. I had a great time through its campaign. Probably, probably one of my favorite single player camp, uh, first player, excuse me, FPS single player campaigns for like yeah. that genre. Um, next to like Modern Warfare or Modern Warfare 2, rather. It was just, yeah, actually, both of those were really good. But my point <laughs> is, yeah, it's yeah, an incredible game. And, it sucks because it got so overshadowed by uh, other good games that came out that year. But I think the problem was the games that were coming out that year, like the other Call of Duties and the other, you know, Battlefields that were coming out around the same time is that were these games were already so established with their IPs. You know, you had like, obviously everyone, everyone knows what Call of Duty is. We've all been playing that, you know, since we were in, in diapers. And then, you know, Battlefield, maybe not quite as popular as Call of Duty, but just as much name recognition, just as, um, just as um, attractive to you know the person that's not willing to look beyond like the uh, initial games that come out, and then you have Titanfall Two, a game that was just originally Titanfall was just multiplayer, right? Good multiplayer, but not like groundbreaking per se. So no one really probably paid attention to Titanfall Two when it came out because it doesn't have like this you know established IP. The brand recognition isn't there. But fuck, man, did people miss out? Like, I know they did. They did. The single player campaign is awesome. The characters, villains, albeit a little weak, but the characters, your protagonist is fun. The banter between you and BT is BT, phenomenal. Dude, BT. BT has like some of the best one liners in the game. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a it's a buddy cop sci fi mecha it is. companion. It's a buddy, yeah, yeah, that's perfect. It's, great. <laughs> yeah. it's uh, yeah, just such a good single player game, honestly. And I even dove into the multiplayer a little bit and it's really fucking fun. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's a really good multiplayer game. Um, honestly, like if I had, if we had a squad to group up with that with, I think that'd be super fun to play. It's just a good game. Like you're playing. It's like, it's like if call of duty, modern warfare had like wall riding and grappling hooks, and then and, also and calling giant mechs for your kill <laughs> yeah. yeah. Giant mechs for your kill shigs. It's just incredible. Um, and honestly, like my time in it was short lived, but one of my favorite multiplayer experiences of the year. Oh, um, great! Wow. And also, I think too, it was the perfect game to go to after having played Oberdin. You know, because Oberdin's kind of more like a calm, tame game. You know, you're not really, um, 
you know, it's very engaging, but maybe your heart's not pounding while you're playing it. Whereas Titanfall 2 is like very intense, go, 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 high octane, speed, momentum, violence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, it's just sick. Yeah. Yeah, man, for sure. Um, so anybody that's in for a pure fun experience, uh, nothing too deep about this one, guys. It's just going to be a fun game for you just to a play. Fun, it's a fun Titanfall five, two? it's a fun seven, eight hours. It's yeah. just a good seven, eight hours. How long it takes you to beat it? Will that be our number one pick for the games that we've played this year? Who knows? You're going to have to stick to the end to watch uh, to find out. Uh, <laughs> Cue the, the commercial next, break. <laughs> the, next, the next game could be, and the next game is the third game that we played this year for, thanks for playing, Outer Wilds. Outer Wilds. Matt, give your opinions on Outer Wilds, then I'll give my opinions on Outer Wilds. Thank you, Lucas. That's very kind. Uh, Outer Wilds. So this was actually my recommendation, Lucas. Um, I came to Lucas and I said, hey, I got this. I, there's a sick game I've been wanting to play for a while. It's called Outer Wilds. You're in space, time loops, speed, physics, momentum. Okay. And he was okay. sold. Okay. He was sold. Easy. And we both start playing it around the same time. And, you know, Lucas is having a grand old time. Easy, easy, easy uh, work week. He has plenty of time to play the game. Um, he's just doing his thing. And then I'm <laughs> struggling through this game. My God, the beginning was incredible. I don't know what it was. Maybe I just couldn't appreciate it. I feel like I'd enjoy that kind of game now more. Because I feel like I've brought in my palette a lot more now that we've um, developed played, your palette a lot developed more. my palette more. I think I could appreciate it more, but it was just difficult. But to give um, the listeners a background, in case you didn't listen to that episode, which you should, if you didn't, what? Dep what are you doing? <laughs> Why are you here? Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. Please stay. <laughs> um, Outer Wilds basically takes place in you know a distant galaxy, distant universe, however you want to think of it, where you take the uh, you take the helm of. Do we get a name for the protagonist? I don't think we do. Uh, Matthew. Or Lucas, Matthew. whatever. Yeah. You take the helm of Matthew, the uh, I astronaut. Like the, I feel like you do have a name. I feel like you have a name, but we forgot I feel it. Like you take the helm of an astronaut ready to take off for the first time from a alien planet where they're pretty like big on space and outer, you know, adventuring and seeing what's out there. And basically, as you go out and explore um, this universe that you're in, you slowly start to learn something's amiss. And you start to discover little clues of ancient civilizations and piece things together. And then 20 minutes into your adventure, suddenly, supernova, the sun explodes. And you reset at the beginning, and you start exploring all over again. And adventure after, eventually, after these repetitions and exploring, you start to piece together what's really happening in the universe, the secrets of the universe, and why you're stuck in this incredible time loop. And you get to discover... Um, the this crazy alien civilization, and you get to do all of it in a open world environment with incredible alien worlds to explore, based yeah. off beautiful national parks, <laughs> and with actual and this is my favorite thing about this game, physics that actually check out and make sense if you were in space. Right. Um. Um. I, I, in my opinion, just for that, a uh, technical technical masterpiece yeah yeah it is it is a very uh technically sound game which is really great physically sound game where if you go off in one direction in space you will continue to go off in that direction unless you give an opposing force like thrusters going the opposite way um so for for the from a physics standpoint it's it can be a very frustrating game to play and a little confusing 
yeah. um, for some people. And it definitely was a little confusing for me at first. It's like there's times where you're trying to get to a certain planet and then you get just a little too close to the sun yeah. and you get stuck in the gravitational pull. But it's just that's sick. And like, for example, let's say you go to the farthest distance you can within the map. You don't get slowly pulled into like the nearest planet or you don't just float there. You slowly get pulled into the sun because that's the biggest gravitational force within that area. Yeah. So little things like that are just phenomenal. Yeah. And and I mean, outside of all that, the game story is the one of the best video game stories I've ever experienced. Uh, it's, it's phenomenal. So, you know, like Matt said, the idea is that you're stuck. The, the solar system you're in is stuck in a 22 minute time loop. And you're tasked with really figuring out why. So the whole game is you just trying to slowly piece piece together what is going on uh, throughout, you know, by exploring this planet, exploring this planet. And, you know, it has to do with the ancient civilization that used to occupy the solar system, who may or might, may not be actively playing a role in what's going on, who may have created this thing or may not have created this time loop. But... It's just so, so incredible as you slowly unravel the mystery of this 22 minute time loop you're stuck in. It's literally like Groundhog Day in space uh, yeah. with, with an awesome physics engine. And um, honestly, what you said earlier about Oberdin, how you always go back even now and think about it. Um, I think about Outer Wilds quite a bit even now. Um, Outer Wilds is, is stuck in my head. Um, not only as a great game that I played this year or for the podcast, but one of the greatest games I've played ever. Um, and uh, I, I'm so glad that it got all the recognition that it did, um, a BAFTA award, you know, and um, a lot of great recognition for the lead, the creative lead, Alex Beecham, and um, just phenomenal game. Yeah, and its development cycle is just so interesting too. Like, it started out as just like an indie college project for these guys like Master's Thesis, and then the the fucking actor from Hero, um, Hero picks it up. Yeah. <laughs> um, I forget his name. Then he brings it Masi, on. Masioka. Masioka. Then he takes it and brings it into their studio. And it just becomes this big project that is turns into this masterpiece. This yeah. incredible, incredible game. Yeah. Um, will it be Lucas's number one? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Well, it, it could. The number one slot could be taken by one of the next two games that are coming up, which are Matthew... What are they? Stanley Parable and The Beginner's Guide. Wow. 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 To give a background, to give a little background for our guests, um, Stanley Parable, we 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 did do a, a, a double episode. To be, clear, to be clear, these are two separate games made by, um, along with some other people, but primarily, you know, designed and developed by Davey Reedon. Um, the goat, the goat, the goat, the goat, along with Lucas Pope. God, I want them to collab. And <laughs> be like the hottest collab ever. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. Um, what was I saying? Um, yeah, Except Stanley Parable and Beginner's Guide, separate games. Both, in my opinion, extremely different kind of underlying message, messages and philosophical takes, but both phenomenal games that really provoke thought. And so with Stanley Parable, you're playing the um, titular character, Stanley. And, you know, you're just pressing buttons, doing your boring nine to five office job. When suddenly you realize there's no one in your, no one in your office. What's up with that, Lucas? There's no one in the office. I don't know where they went. And Stanley um, the, and the player go on a crazy adventure with multiple endings that really does give the player kind of, especially for that time when the game came out, kind of untold and unmatched agency to control Stanley's adventure and to control what happens to him, 
what happens to the narrator and just a variety of things in that game are just, it's just incredible and kind of unmatched in my opinion for kind of the self-awareness of video games. You see a lot of things like it um, that kind of try and not copy it, but feed off of it. Like the whole self-awareness thing it did like a game, like, um, you know, Pony Island or a game like, um, kind of like Undertale, like they take Doki little Doki things Doki from that Under- Doki Undertale, Doki Literature yeah. Club, where they pull that self-awareness stuff. Um, and some of them do them really well to, to their credit, but I think I think Stanley Parable deserves so much credit for just kind of how groundbreaking it was. And, and being very early to that self-awareness party. Yeah, right? it's like, as far as I know, it's the first... I mean, I'm, I'm sure there were others. Um, in the modern but, era, let's say. In the modern era kind of the first to really do it and to be recognized at the scale it has, um, mm-hmm. which is pretty, pretty insane. And then, and then there's beginner's guide and Lucas, why don't you walk us through beginner's guide real quick? Yeah. So the beginner's guide is a lot different from the Stanley parable. It's more of a condensed experience. Um, you'll, you'll play through it and it's, it's actually very linear. Um, but it, it's sort of this just really incredible, um, you know, sort of like an art installation, art house type of video game project. Um, the Beginner's Guide is also made by Davey Reedon, who made the, the Stanley Parable. And the Beginner's Guide is a game where you play through games created by um, a, another developer named Coda. Um, and the whole thing is narrated by Davey Reedon himself. So um, you're playing through a series of small experimental games created by um, somebody named Coda, who Davey Reedon really uh, looks up to and respects. Um, and as you play through a number of different games developed by Coda that were created as small little experiments, you begin to see that Coda began to descend into depression, sadness, possibly um, a relationship, possibly not a relationship. And you begin to see that the work of an artist that are the, the soul of the artist is really coming forth in the work of the artist, which is the video game. Um, so the beginner's guide is, and, and then there's a couple twists and turns in there narratively, and it, it becomes a very interesting game. Um, self-referential, um, obviously there is basically no wall in the game because the whole thing is immediately narrated by Davey Reedon saying he's Davey Reedon, which is yeah. quite an interesting video game experience. Um, I, I believe both these games need to be played for the sake of the video game medium. I think moving forward, I think these games are going to end up in the textbooks. He's gonna, they're going to end up in oh, video yeah. game history. Um, anybody that is studying video games or is trying to make them needs to at least play these games once. They're not even that long of games. Um, to get know. through them both, it's like three hours cumulatively. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's very short. But but they have so much in that three hours that most video games don't have in 50 hours. You know, And, and these games are just some of the greatest achievements in the medium, um, in, in the medium and in art in general. I just believe that there are such, such solid um, cont- contributions to, to video games. Especially playing them back to back like we did. They, they both have very, at least in my opinion, in my take on them. And again, you could there's so many different ways to look at these games and different takes to have. But they're kind of, in my opinion, a little, I think they're contradicting one another. And I, I stand by that I, opinion. I, I remember you saying I that. I stand by that. And it's just super interesting to play them back to back. God, I mean, there's so many takes and... What's crazy is that these are the two shortest games we played by far on this list, I think, uh, what we did this year. And it was our longest episode. Even when you put the two games time that are times together, it's still the shortest all around of like playtime for us to get through them both. Um, 
our longest episode by far of this yeah. year. I think it was like, we clocked in like an hour 15, maybe hour 20. It was so dense. So dense. There's so much to unpack and, and talk about. And I still feel like we could do a whole nother hour long episode on it. If just to like shoot the shit on it, some long longer. Yeah, I completely and I think agree. that's a testament to Davey Reedon and his take on game design. And, you know, maybe some of it is just us, you know, putting to meeting where there isn't anything, but like, Go if back can, and listen to that episode, people, is what we're yeah, trying to say. <laughs> if, if you can invoke if you can invoke from your artistic medium that many different interpretations, whether you intend to or not, I think you're doing something right. Yeah. I completely agree. That's, that's how I look at agree. it. Yeah. And and on that, uh, we asked the question yet again if either of those games will be in our top three or the number one slot. Or the number for, one uh, for thanks for playing at twenty twenty. Um, moving on to the next game that has the potential to be number one. Killer 7. Daddy Suda 51. (laughs) Grasshopper Manufacturing is a developer. Manufacturer? Manufacturing. I don't know. Directed by, written, directed, and designed by Suda 51, a.k.a. Goichi Suda. Um, Suda. Calling it his magnum opus, his greatest piece of work in the video game world. He's done a lot of stuff you guys have heard of. He's done Lollipop Chainsaw. He's done No More Heroes. He's done No More Heroes 2, Desperate Struggle. (laughs) Uh, um, And a couple of other games that I can't think of off the top of my head right now. But um, Killer7 being the best game, um, in my opinion as well, in his uh, uh, oeuvre of games, one might say. Um, it's a miracle that this game even exists, to be perfectly yeah. honest. Um, developed by Grasshop Manufacturer and published by Capcom for the Nintendo GameCube uh, before it actually ported over to the PlayStation 2 a little bit later. Um, it is just this noir, dark, David Lynchian, uh, Quentin Tarantino-esque video game with ultraviolence in a cel-shaded graphic style, assassins, a supernatural enemy that is invisible to the human eye, which may or may not be some sort of metaphor for terrorism across the world, something we can't see that is always coming to us. Uh, The enemy being that of the heaven smiles, which explode upon being touched. And the creator of the heaven smiles, the uh, villainous Kunlan, and you play at you play as the assassination assassin syndicate known as the Smiths, uh, Garcia and Smith, Harmon Smith, Kaidi Smith, Dan Smith, all the Smiths, and uh, you just go through level by level to assassinate different targets. Um, Matt, what did you think of this game? <laughs> I'm really glad you took the reins on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I did a pretty good job considering. No, how you, you killed it. I, w- I would not have done that well. <laughs> um, so I'm here, here's my exact my exact note for this game. Um, quote: Not a fun game, but a dope game. Okay, a dope game. Okay. Um, this is another one of those things like Oprah did, where there's just there's nothing like it. Like when I when I play this game, I feel like I'm playing a video game, and, th- and this is me playing it today. I get the same feeling that I would have got when I was like six or seven years old up till like 11 PM one night. And then I accidentally go to like adult swim on cartoon network. And I'm like, so confused by like what I'm seeing and stuff, things like that. That's the same kind of feeling I get playing when I played this game today. Um, It's, it's a dope game. Um, I I don't, the the gameplay wise, 
not for me per se. I, I think the gameplay is kind of just not that exciting, but artistically, wow. Um, <laughs> the like you said, the the cell shaded design is is just cool. Looks good. It works. There's not really anything like it right now. Um, the soundtracks phenomenal. Yep. Um, the dialogue is dope, and we still quote the dialogue right now. Yeah, like, we really do. Like our favorite quote is from Susie, right? Is her name Susie, the headless, um, the headless chick that talks to you throughout the game. And her best, the best quote in the game, and probably one of the better quotes in games in general. Susie says, "These boomers don't know right from wrong." We say that all the time because guess what, Matt? These baby boomers do not know right. Baby boomers know. And you know what? Hey. I think that's more evidenced by the stimulus package that just <laughs> finally got passed. Six hundred dollars. Go buy a PlayStation thank, Five. <laughs> thank God I'm going to get six hundred dollars. That was yeah. I was really struggling. That's going to save me. <laughs> Nine months into the pandemic, that's going to really turn things around for me. But enough of that. <laughs> Killer Seven. Um, I mean, I I just think we need more games like this. Honestly, even if it's a game that I personally don't enjoy that much, I love that it's experimental. I love that it kind of has no filter really. Um, it's very uh, racy, you know. Um, very violent, yeah, just bloody, violent, strange, blood, gory. A lot of cur- just like there's no yeah. no filter on it. Studio Fifty One's like, I want to make a game that's crazy. I'm gonna fucking do it, and yeah. he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he did. Um, it's great. I, I, I can't thank him enough for that. Honestly, like. I again, I don't, I didn't have that much fun playing the game, but I really do look back at it fondly because it's just such a unique experience. Yeah. Um, and there's no other games out there like it, which is kind of a theme I'm noticing with the games we have on here. But yeah. that's because Lucas and I have great fucking taste. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, just, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. Just to just to kind of wrap it up on Killer Seven. I mean, I, I I think I like the game a lot more than Matt did. Uh, I, I played through the whole thing and, and every single corner I turned, I found a different interpretation of what Suda51 was trying to portray, um, you know, because it's it's a game about a lot of things, I think. Um, it's kind of about the cycle of karma. It's about the cycle of terrorism. It's about violence. It's about um, it's about whether, you know, I really think, and, and we could talk, it, for anybody that's really curious about the game, I suggest you go listen to the episode, but Killer7 um, is unique in that, and, and video games rarely ever take this stance. Um, Killer Seven has a stance on violence. It has something to say about violence. It doesn't just use it as a vehicle for gameplay, but it actually uses it as a vehicle for for pol- politics, yeah. um, which I think is really really cool. And um, it's almost like Killer Seven as a, as a story is trying to call into question whether there is anything other than violence to solve our problems, um, and and if it, it, how it's it may or may not be necessary to the functioning. Of humanity, or, or fear, or terrorism, may be essential to the functioning of our of our society, um, and and these things are really genuinely genuinely explored in Killer Seven, which is why I think it's such a phenomenal game, and it could be my number one spot. We don't, we just don't, we simply do not know. We don't know. I don't know. Lucas, I don't know what Lucas is thinking. So that's that's the beauty of what we got going on here. Matt and I actually don't know what each other's uh, top three or number one (laughs) is. So it's going to be a great, crazy surprise at the end. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Moving on to the next game, uh, which I think Matt liked a lot more than I did. Matt liked a lot more than I did. I love this game. I I love this game. This game, I think this was my fourth playthrough of it, maybe fifth. Um, Oxenfree. Uh, Oxenfree t- puts you in the role of Alex, a young, 
angsty teen. Think um, Stranger Thing kids, but maybe like six years older. <laughs> Young angsty teen in, in high school where her and her friends go out to a uh, an island for a night of, you know, fun, teenage adventures, ghost stories, campfires, Beer. beers, what have you. Um, but suddenly things go awry and ghosts soon start to invade and ruin their nights and it evolves <laughs> ruin. into ruin their I mean come on. <laughs> come on, come on. You I ruined my night. <laughs> ruined my no, night. No, it just it just that's so underselling what they did. They did so much more than ruin their the, night. They take apart their lives, honestly. And they dismantled time space. Dismantled time and space. <laughs> bro, you ruined my fucking night, bro. <laughs> By dismantling time and space. <laughs> <laughs> why is that so funny <laughs> oh man um yeah so these ghosts the dismantle time and space for these kids and it, it's it's miserable for them but it creates an awesome just fun like coming of age teen adventure one that has consequences to those involved in the game and i loved it because there's a lot of games that will say that they're very um the they give you the illusion of giving agency to the player um for example a game like that would be cyberpunk um, 2077 hey <laughs> hey we haven't beat that game yet and honestly no but yes but and no your, but your choice have you beat the game well, we'll talk about it neither lucas and i beat the game yet um I'm having fun with cyberpunk, but we're talking about oxen for here. Okay. We'll talk about cyberpunk more in that episode. Maybe I'll hold off whenever that comes out. I'll hold off. Shut the fuck up. Oxen free is one of the few games. Like I mentioned, that I really do believe the choices you make matter. And it really does give the player a lot of agency to kid decide the outcome of the story. And, you know, there's games like kind of like heavy rain or I don't think heavy rains is guilty of it, but say something like the telltale games where, I'm not talking shit on those games. I love them. I think just from a narrative standpoint, if you want to just get a good story, I think those are good games to play, whether it's the Walking Dead Telltale or the Wolf Among Us, anything like that. But their their choices don't really matter that much in those games. Whereas in Oxenfree, every dialogue choice can make a difference and every decision can make a difference in the outcome. I forget I forget what the exact number was, but there's like over like 50 different permutations Per, per permutations of kind of endings you can get like different combinations of endings based on the choices you made during the game um and that kind of agency combined with just a fun good coming of age story um is for me and with a really cool art style honestly and, and my, i know lucas didn't care for it too much but i like the art style <laughs> and a really really good really good sound design i can't undersell that enough yeah, um, yeah. or oversell that enough excuse me really really fucking good sound design i agree with you there it um, just comes together for an awesome game and an awesome experience if you like storytelling. And I think it's a class act in storytelling and a good, um, a good, a good thing for a good, what's the word? A good reference point for any developer going forward that kind of wants to make this choose your own adventure type of story yeah. and choose your own adventure I, type of game. I, I remember not um, digging this game as much as you. For sure, I think it's a great game, and I think it's a lot of fun. Um, but I, I, I remember, and I'm, I think I'm still, I still feel the same way about this with Oxenfree. Is um, I don't feel like I'm playing the game as much as I am watching it, 
Mm -hmm. um, it feels like I'm watching, um, you know, this is what it's meant to be. So I can't, I can't knock it for what it's doing because it's succeeding in what's it's, what it's trying to do. But it's really just a playable kind of choose your own adventure book. There's not like a lot of timing games or, you know, challenge or, you know, your consequences. And I, I are fucking consequences. love that. I know, I know. There's, not, <laughs> there's no, there's no consequence it, like in a traditional sense where yeah. you, you fall through the cliff and then now you restart and you have to do it again. Um, there's yeah, consequence in, the, in that the, the story and the narrative will play out a little bit differently and end a little bit differently. Um, but, you know, granted, still love the story. I think it's a very interesting story, too, and actually kind of scary, um, especially playing it at night around Halloween time. Which is The sound design itself can invoke like just kind of terror. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Honestly, and, in my opinion. And, and especially that ending is really, really sick. Really, yeah. really good. So I'm, I'm glad I finally got a chance. I, I, that game had been on my list for a really long time, and I'm glad I got to play it this year with Matt. Yeah, I know. I, I had so, bugged you forever. Like, even before we started this podcast in, like, 2018, I was bugging you, hey, play this game. Hey, hey play this game. Yeah, yeah, so I'm, I'm glad I'm glad you uh, you finally got to it. Um, yeah. Just like... Wow. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. Sorry. No, I know what you're about to say. You're going to transition. <laughs> Can I interrupted you? Yeah. That was rude. No, no. Um, may, I may I continue my transition or do you have something else to say? On yeah, yeah. Pull, pull up the PowerPoint slides. <laughs> okay, okay. So I was going to say, you were bugging me to play Oxenfree for yeah. a long time, just like you were bugging me mm -hmm. to play Doki Doki, Doki Literature, Literature Club. Club. Or as I like to call it, Doki Doki Lit Club. <laughs> 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 Oh, I um, like that. No, there's nothing. There's nothing funny. There's nothing funny about this game at all. Uh, really? <laughs> <fucking> terrifying. <laughs> uh, my note. I wrote notes for this podcast episode. Uh, my only note Pre on this episode. My only note on this episode. It just says, "Quote, bro, what the fuck." <laughs> <laughs> That's all I wrote. <laughs> this game. This game is uh, Doki Doki Literature Club. Google it. You'll see some cute images um, of. You know, cute little anime schoolgirls um, dressed in a typical anime schoolgirl way. Uh, super cute, super cool. And um, it's just a visual novel game where you make choices and try to, you know, it's a dating simulator game where you're trying to date one of these girls in your literature club. So you make choices on who you want to kind of woo. Um, and at one point, the game takes a real sharp turn and gets real, real, <laughs> real sharp, horribly sharp. Uh, it's like gets real it's like dark. if you're driving in a car and then you, you do a 180 and you turn around, but then suddenly there's a cliff and you fall in the lava. Yeah, <laughs> you, you turned around and there's a cliff behind you. Yeah. And there's lava and you fall in that while going backwards. It's yeah. insane. Yeah. <laughs> so for, for for those that haven't played, basically, it's um it, it is presented as a visual novel, which for those that don't know is typically a game based off the um not based but rather uh drawn out in like an anime style um basically anime art style and then it's very much just text um maybe sometimes they have animations depending on the one you play but typically just uh text uh stills of the characters like beautiful stills and drawn in anime style and you just click through and you read the dialogue and you make some choices here and there that's typically how a visual novel goes um and for about the first third to half ish um, that's what Doki Doki Literature Club is. And I want to emphasize, honestly, if you haven't played this game yet and you're planning to skip ahead, um, about skip ahead, like, <laughs> you know, three, four, five minutes um, until you hear me stop 
Uh, skip ahead a bit. Skip ahead till you hear us start talking about Breath of the Wild, yeah. and you know you're in the safe zone. Because I really don't want to spoil this game for you, but basically things take a sharp turn, and you start to realize that for one, one of the main characters in the game, Monica, is self-aware, um, and basically she's trying to ruin her, the literature club, and she starts infiltrating the game's files to make the uh, make the the lives of the other. NPCs in the game, such as Satori or Natsuki or um, fuck, Yuri. Yeah, I forgot the craziest <laughs> yeah, <Jerry>. one, Yuri. <laughs> Make their lives terrible and eventually lead them to committing suicide, to um, having very dangerous tendencies, self-harm. Stabbing um, themselves. Stabbing themselves. Um, obsessions. Very hanging. Very hanging. Very, and this isn't like implied. They're showing you all this in the game. It's not like, oh... I found someone's body or, Oh, someone didn't come to school today. It's these show you a visual of someone hanging. Um, and it's just the most fucking jarring thing. It's supposed to be a game about a guy. It presents itself like a hentai, honestly. Like yeah, it, it presents it itself like a game. that's going to be a harem of a guy going to a literature club with four, pre, you know, pretty girls. And it turns into a fucking massacre game massacre of a game scarier than any fucking horror movie out there yeah. that sub subverts any genre that is the that is the best example of subversion in any medium in my opinion that i've experienced personally i don't I think anything subverts it so far and not only for how it subverts itself in the game but it doesn't give anything away in its promotional material right and i the think that's so important the only thing it does is give you a warning at the very front of the game um, which is uh, kind of a double-edged sword in a way, like works for the game and works against the game. Yeah. Uh, it really works for the game, I, honestly, where the game says, this game is not suitable for children, I think is all it really says um, at the very front of the game, which makes you or think... Or those easily disturbed or something like the, that. Yeah. Not, not, good for, not suitable for children are those who are easily disturbed. And, and that would automatically make you think that there's something sexual in nature about the game. Yeah. Um, but no, there is not. There is no, something it's nothing very, sexual at all. Yeah it's, yeah, it's just a pure like horror, pure subversion and horror. Yeah, um, and this I, was talked, our Halloween special. Game. This was our Halloween special. <laughs> it's a game. It's a fucking anime visual novel. It's our Halloween special. <laughs> and we we've mentioned some of these other games. Like for Lucas, it was I think Outer Wilds, and I mentioned Oberdin. How we always go back and think about those games. I'm that same way with Doki Doki. But it's like not a. It's not if I'm thinking about that game. If there's something reminds me of it, it's not good. Yeah, <laughs> it's not yeah. good. It's not good at all. Um, and yeah, I, I encourage anyone to play. And I want to backtrack a little bit too. Like, not giving itself away in the promotional material is so important because another game Lucas and I um, have played and will most likely eventually do for the podcast is a game called Pony Island. One of my gripes about it is well, it does have like this kind of self awareness thing, which it does well in the game. It gives itself away beforehand, pretty much. Um, mm -hmm. But Doki Doki is a masterclass of not giving itself away and really just doing wonderful to subvert, subvert the, the player's expectations. And I hadn't even played it. Or excuse me, I had it, I'd already played it before this and before we did it for the podcast. And I was still getting extremely new dialogue options and extremely new um, choices to make and different scenes and things like that. And it's incredible when a game can do that. And, Backtracking a little bit, but like Oxenfree was the same way. So shout out to Oxenfree and shout out to Doki Doki <laughs> Ma Masterclass. And just from someone that's played the games a lot, to still be getting new dialogue options and seeing new things is incredible. Um, yeah, I love this yeah. game. Um, awesome. It, yeah, it, 
left a mark on me. That's for sure. Uh, it almost left um, like a mark of the wild on you. <laughs> like is, oh. that was a hor- that, that was a real <laughs> that sad sucked. attempt at a segue. Fuck um, you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, my brain <laughs> went. Uh, mark of the wild is like a buff in WoW. Wild Breath of the Wild. We we got we got there. We almost got there. Yeah. Um. Uh, and the, the reason I say that is because the next game that we're going to talk about is Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild. Of the Wild. Uh, it is uh, obviously a very well known game to the gaming community. Um, a launch title for the Nintendo Switch upon launch several years ago, and um, <laughs> notoriously at this point. Some would say underrated by Matthew Rockaby, your <laughs> humble co-host of the podcast. <laughs> Matt, you wanna you wanna start off? Ah, <laughs> I'll, start, I'll, I'll go. I'll go. I'll get my. I'll, I'll go for it. I'll go for it. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't think I need to explain too much about what Breath of the Wild is. It's open world Zelda. Um, it's Link fighting Ganon. Um, there's really not that much story in it, to be honest. There's not a lot of plot or character development. It is just Link going and killing Ganon by utilizing the the power of friendship. And pretty much, <laughs> yeah. And the, and the power of the Master Sword. You it down, yeah. And the power of the Master Sword and all that stuff. Um, extremely open world. Um, some may or may not say to a fault, which uh, to find out more, you could listen to our Breath of the Wild episode um, featuring Jiggy. Um, who is uh, shout out to Jiggy, uh, Twitch to streamer, Twitch.tv, Jiggy11, first guest we had on the podcast. Yeah, sick. Thank yeah. you. And uh, who also 100%ed Breath of the Wild, got every single on Master Korok Mode seed. on Master Mode, 100% of Breath of the Wild, every Korok seed, um, Trial of the Sword, uh, every quest, literally everything. Um, so he has, he has a lot to say <laughs> about the game. So definitely check out that episode. Um, but yeah, open world game uh, for Zelda. It's, it was, uh, I think, a super super great game to play a game where the only true currency in the game is exploration and unlocking more of the map and more of the map and more of the map um there is no crafting in this open world game which is unusual for a open world game in 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 the modern era of open world um there is no crafting there is no repairing of your weapons everything breaks uh (laughs) it's a very very different type of open world game it's the way zelda would do it if they did it uh, and I personally had a great time with it. I actually beat it on master mode this playthrough. So definitely check out how I did that. <laughs> um, it was very challenging, but was a really great way to experience in the game all over again, because this was my second playthrough and it was Matt's first playthrough and Matt, why don't you tell us what you thought? Nah, <laughs> um, no, I, <laughs> so we'll get this out of the way. Uh, I gave the game a seven. Um, <laughs> But I think it's a sick game. <laughs> I wish I had more time to explore it. My my biggest gripe with the game is, for one, I wasn't really driven by the main story. Like, I didn't learn anything new for me. And maybe if I had played some of the previous Zelda games and I had more, I guess, investment in the overall characters rather than the individual story, I think I would have enjoyed it a lot more. Because it's pretty kind of cookie-cutter, like, hero awakens from a long slumber, goes, fights bad guy, saves the world. That's it. With friends. Um, that's the story um and we were not rushed but definitely didn't have and combined with like you know working a job you know like living life um didn't have as much time to put in the game as i wanted to so barring doing a couple extra things here and there i really only had time to kind of do the main story 
And my biggest gripe with the game is I don't think so many people and so many outlets, game outlets have given this game a 10 out of 10, right? But I think the game is only a 10 out of 10 if you go out of your way to experience the stuff outside of the main story and to really put yourself out there and explore. And to the the game's credit, the most fun I was having would be when I was going, traveling between places to new areas to explore and to, um, you know, um, check out what was going on there. If I needed to go to a new area for one of the main quests. My favorite parts of the game were going on those journeys and traversing to get to those new areas. Because you would find so many little things along the way, so many cool little dungeons to do, um, so many little like random people to talk to, or just like camps to fight, things like that. Um, but the game doesn't demand any of that of you, which is interesting. Um, and it's very easy, if you're maybe a gamer with limited time, to just focus on the main story. And for me, the main, the core of the game, the main part of the game that you go through, the main quest line, it's not a 10 out of 10. It's a 7 at best. It's a 7 at best for me. um but if you have another 20 30 hours to kill and you go and you know maybe after you beat the game you go and explore all that or maybe you take more time in between doing the divine beasts then i think it's a 10 out of 10 game because it does offer so much but and this is kind of the really interesting question that i posed during the podcast that we don't really have an answer to still you know is it the game's responsibility to give you the full experience within the main story when it's an overworld game like that or is it fair for them to demand basically for you to go out and do more outside of the main story to get that 10 out of 10 experience and that's i'm not sure what the right answer is there i don't yeah 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 i think that's um that's that's an interesting debate I think, and, and you're not wrong. I mean, if you just play the main story of Zelda, I think you do miss out on quite a bit. You know, you miss out on 80% of the game, really, if not more. Because um, so much of the game is kind of wrapped up in the non-story and the, yeah. they're just, just exploring the world and doing a bunch of stuff. And, and you know, is it <coughs> is it our um, is it our responsibility to play all the content that was put in there or only to play the content that's necessary to hit the credit screen? Um, and there, yeah, there is no clear answer. So far, you know, actually what's come up is as Matt and I are playing through cyberpunk, I'm not quite sure if you have this opinion too, Matt is cyberpunk has this really crazy mixture where there's kind of soft blocks through the main story where you have to get like a bunch of money. And the only way to get money is to do some of the side gigs and side quests. So it's, it's this interesting mixture where you're playing through a main story, but then you're kind of forced to do the side content in order Mm -hmm. to, to, to get through some of those soft blocks. Would you agree? No. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) well, there, there, there are a couple points where to get through certain quests, you have to have like, oh, I can pay you off this amount, um, or something like that. I've but paid I, two I of those so far. I'm only, I'm only twelve hours in. Mm-hmm. But there's I mean, other ways around it, from what I remember. I mean, you either you do you do side quests to get money and then pay them off, or you don't. No, but I'm pretty sure. Okay, there's one specific. <laughs> We'll talk about this. Either way, you're for. What I'm saying is, there is one. I I don't want to go off on at least one part where there is a bottleneck where you just have to pay a person a certain amount of money. Yeah, like fifteen, fifteen thousand. Yeah, I don't want to go off on turn this into a cyberpunk podcast. We will have an episode on that. But I'm saying that there is there's none of that in Breath of the Wild. I mean, you can just rush through the main storyline with no regard for any of the side content. Um, Whereas, you know, I think that Cyberpunk, which is a open world game that has come out now four years later has made an attempt to force you to play through some of the side content, whether you want to or not, because you just, you just simply have to, to get through a soft block. Um, 
which you know, I'm interesting. Really enjoying that, that the side world. content in that game. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. I think the game. Well, it's because you're forced to do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, maybe. Um, but yeah, Breath of the Wild. Um, I, I don't completely agree with your criticisms, but I will let you have those criticisms because I believe they are valid, just like every opinion out there. Um, except for people that think that Super Metroid's a bad game. <laughs> Which I don't agree with that. I can never agree with that opinion. Uh, and speaking of which, what's our next video game? <laughs> um, the next game we did after Breath of the Wild. We know we love Nintendo. We wanted to keep the party going. So I thought, hey, we, we thought, hey, let's do a classic. A classic game that everybody loves. So we decided to go with Super Metroid. Um, yeah. Fuck that game. <laughs> I'll say it. Um, for those that don't know, I mean, the basic plot synopsis is your mother no not mother brain your the metroid can, your I, can, I handle, can i can i can i do this you one? should you should okay <laughs> <laughs> there's not much i mean uh the basic the ba- basic plot synopsis is the last metroid is in captivity the galaxy is at peace uh mm-hmm. <laughs> which are <laughs> famous uh actual spoken vocals in the game at oh, the yeah. very start um, it's really it's really it's really weird to hear a super nintendo game with a very clear human voice in it but we got it um super metroid's a classic game from 1994 um it came out a year before i was born it came out two years before matt was born uh for the super nintendo and is the third metroid game in the series um you follow and play as samus uh aaron uh on the hunt for a baby metroid that was stolen by a space pirate ridley and take it to planet Zebus. Um, the game is all silent, isolated exploration of the planet um, where you fight uh, multiple kind of multiple big bosses and then eventually um, fight the big boss, Mother Brain, at the end. Yeah, that's it. Um, yeah, no, I, I I think if I, when did this game come out, Lucas? Like what, 90 something? 94. Like early 90, 94. If I played this game when it came out, I think I would have been blown away because I think it is such a cool would have been such a cool take at the time for like open exploration and really like discovering so many nooks and crannies and things like that. But if I want to do that now, I'll play cyberpunk or I'll play breath of the wild games that both look better, feel better. And, uh, okay. uh, okay. uh, They're different. They're different. (laughs) They're completely different genres though. That's the thing. But they both scratch that same itch, I think as far as like exploration. And I mean, granted, I think Metroid does a lot of things. Metroid does a lot of things well. Like it does really the the music's good. Music, music's great. Um, it really does kind of give the eeriness the art, in certain areas. The art's great. It's great. Yeah, it's great. Pixel. I, I'm not being sarcastic. I, I think that might have come off as sarcastic. It's really good. Um, 16 bit. Yes. It's very good. Phenomenal. Um, it's like the peak of it in my yeah, opinion. For sure. Um, and, but just like for me, the underlying mechanics of the game don't support support that kind of exploration um and i think a lot of people's love for this game are is driven by nostalgia not by critique relative to what's available around you yeah um that's my opinion i think i'm right no it's not my opinion that's my that's what matt is saying yeah and matt matt i am i am right (laughs) yeah yeah no Um, no, i i get it i i think the um the thing i i will kind of just piggybacking off your comment about mechanics of the game um, or underlying mechanics. I did realize on this playthrough and I'm someone that grew up playing this game. I've probably beaten it five times. Um, You know, and and this is part of the Metroidvania genre. 
uh, like Castlevania games. Um, one of the cornerstones. Yeah, if not the, one of the games that really defined it. Yeah. Um, which is a, a 2D adventure game where you backtrack, move forward, unlock new abilities, and, and push through um, new areas. Um, I think the finest game in the genre is not Super Metroid. I think the best game within that genre is Hollow Knight, um, which I played last year. Um, I still think it kind of blows Super Metroid out of the water because I realized that Super Metroid is, um, at its mechanical core, just a jumpy, shooty game. Um, there's yeah. not a lot of mechanical depth to it, so I do agree with your criticism on that. But, I mean, just speaking, it's hard to really separate the game from the influence. Um, I think it, it is a fun game to play now. I think there are more fun games that, you're right, may or may not scratch a, 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 the same itch of exploration. Um, but the, the influence of the game is felt so much in the game while I'm playing it, um, that it's really hard to separate it for me. Um, so while I'm playing Super Metroid, I really do feel a deep, um, deeper connection. It could be nostalgia, but it could be history. Um, it's yeah. kind of the, 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 the thing in my heart, it's kind of the heart versus the brain kind of thing with Super Metroid, but you know, I gave it a great score, so I didn't get any hate, but Matt, <laughs> Matt sure did. <laughs> I think I gave it a five, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and the, uh, shout outs to uh, Sam Luna, my brother uh, and our producer of the podcast. He actually was on that episode. So for those of you that want to see why Matt gave it a five in detail, <laughs> you can go ahead and listen to that episode. <laughs> and a quick shout out to, I don't have it in front of me, but yeah, that was our first hate mail was driven by that episode in my opinion. That was great. <laughs> so that's, that's sick. Yeah. Um, which leads us into the final game we played this year for the podcast. Um, a masterclass in storytelling and dialogue. <laughs> God damn it. And voice acting and gameplay, a way out. I agree with like <laughs> I agree with maybe like a quarter of what you said. <laughs> um, a way out for those that don't know is a game that can only be played in co-op, so you have to have at least one friend, at least one friend to play with. And the game is played by you. You take the role of two people in prison, Vinny and Leo. Basically, it's a prison break game with a crazy twist at the end. Um, and it kind of get as you play the game, you get to learn a little bit more about the backgrounds of each character, their motives, what's pushing them. And for the most part, it's a very cut, cut and dry cookie cutter kind of prison break adventure. But and I don't want to spoil in case anyone wants to play it um, with a really good twist ending, I think, in my opinion. Um, yeah, very, that was, that very was cool ending. Really good twist ending that I think anyone would appreciate. Anyone that appreciates good storytelling because neither Lucas or I saw it coming and I won't give anything away, but we'll just leave it at that. But so I, 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 I have a note for this. That's the exact opposite of killer seven. So for killer seven, what I, what did I say? I said, not a fun game, but a, but a dope, dope game. game. And said for a way out, I said, stupid, fun game, but a bad game. <laughs> <laughs> so the the game's mechanics are trash like there's no real consequences your decisions don't really matter barring the twists at the end the storytelling's mediocre at best the dialogue's very actually no the dialogue's bad um the yeah. the voice acting leo's <laughs> voice actor is pretty good but that's in my opinion probably the only good voice actor um and it's just it's just not a good game but it's a fun game to play with a friend because barring his complaining we were laughing the whole time we were playing that game yeah we were, we were, it was just we it's just a fun game to play with when you're like good friends or something that has like the same sense of humor as you because you'll just have so much fun like repeating one-liners or just talking shit on the game or just going back and forth with one another on it um yeah it's just it's just fun 
Yeah. Um, not a good game, but a, a fun game to play with a friend. That, that's exactly, I think, how we experienced it. If I wasn't playing it with Matt, I, I think I really would have quit like two hours <laughs> in. <laughs> but, um, you know, yeah, it's a, it's a super um, funny game to play because um, it's very unintentionally funny because there's just a lot to laugh at yeah. through the game while you're playing it. So it's kind of like watching a bad movie, I guess, with a friend um, and just kind of having a good time while you're watching it. Um, and it also gave me one of my favorite Matt quotes of all of all time in anything we've ever done, <laughs> which was when we were storming the the mansion in Mexico at the very end, and Matt dies and then goes, "Bro, bro you didn't you didn't get that guy." Yeah. <laughs> that was the that greatest was quote. <laughs> <laughs> such oh, a class. It just reminded me of being a kid again when my brother would tell me, "Like, bro, you're supposed to get that guy." <laughs> in whatever co-op game we were playing <laughs> oh man but yeah you gotta do another co-op game for the podcast that was a lot of fun yeah i'm down I really with enjoyed a, that I, you know maybe that maybe the audience can tell us what we got to play next it could yeah. be cuphead um that would be good or cuphead you know maybe <laughs> portal 2 could be good oh, a single player and a co-op that, that would be, be a fun fun co-op yeah. game that's a great suggestion wow wow, wow. all, all right. right we've come to the end come to the end so let's recap. This year for the podcast, we played one, Return of the Oberdin, two, Titanfall 2, three, Outer Wilds, four, The Stanley Parable and Beginner's Guide, five, Killer Seven, six, Oxen Free, seven, Doki Doki Literature Club, uh, eight, is that right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Eight. Well, it's because <laughs> Stanley Parable Beginner's Guide, yeah. technically. Eight, yeah. Breath of the Wild. Uh, nine Super Metroid and ten A Way Out, and we did a double episode, but technically eleven because Stanley Parable and Beginner's Guide are separate games. Okay. Now, Lucas, and for the audience, Lucas and I have both compiled our top three games of the year that we played on this podcast. Neither of us have shared this list with one another. I don't know what Lucas has on his list. Lucas does not know what I have on my list. Anything could happen. <laughs> um. All right. So what we're going to do on the count of three, we'll reveal our number one. Oh, our number three. You want to start with number three? Let's reveal okay, our number okay. two. Our sure, number yeah, three. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. okay. All right. On the count of three then. One, two, three. The beginner's, beginner's guide. Beginner's guide. Oh! <laughs> yes. Yes. Yo. <laughs> All right. Okay. So we both have the same number three. We both have That's the same awesome. number three. Okay. Okay. Let's move on to number two. Okay, right, I'll, I'll do the countdown right, on three. Okay, number two, video game chosen by Lucas and Matt on one, two, three, Doki Doki Oberdin. Literature Club. Oh, okay, okay, okay. okay. So you got your so you, Oberdin for number two. Yeah, yeah. Okay, this is getting right. interesting. Um, right. Okay, number one. Roll Ready? Off. Okay, <laughs> count it down, Matthew. <laughs> my heart's my heart's beating. <laughs> Go for it. All right. On the count of three. One. Actually, no, we should do this on the count of one. <laughs> on the count of one. Three, two, one. Outer Doki Wilds. Doki Literature Club. Aww. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I, wanted, I wanted you to put Oprah <laughs> up there. But I, I, I figured if, yeah, damn. It's okay. It's okay. So my number one game of this podcast for the year, Outer Wilds. Um, God, just so good. Just no, nothing, nothing bad about that game. Just completely perfect. Uh, exploration, physics, um, deep philosophical thinking about science, about about life and the universe, uh, and the origin of everything. Incredible game, Outer Wilds. 
Yeah, man. And then Doki Doki Literature Club. I mean, I gushed about that game already, so you guys already know. Um, and I still found myself so uh, engrossed in it and traumatized by it, even though I basically knew the same overline or you know the same plot outline of what was going to happen. I knew all the beats, things like that. But I still found myself loving the game. And for a game to be able to do that to someone that's already played it and knows what's going to happen and still feel like he's experiencing it for the first time and getting the same kind of emotional reaction from it, um, incredible, incredible, yeah. All right, and you're number two, Lucas. You're you're, you're number two. Is Doki Doki is Doki Doki, yeah. And uh, it's it's a it's a great it's great. I mean, everything you said, I completely echo. It's it's just a really really great game. Um, yeah. Very shocking. Um, very just super interesting uh, as as far as just game design goes, and and some of the things you do and and say yeah. in the game are just so cool. Um, so yeah, Doki Doki. And number three, it looks like we both chose the Beginner's Guide. Hey, I want to talk about Oberdin. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. That was rude. Oh, <laughs> <God. laughs> uh, yeah, no, no. Oberdin was sick. Um, yeah, I just always find myself thinking about it. Just a dope game. Nothing like it. Um, and just for how unique it was and how fun it was, it earns that spot easily. It's not like thought provoking by any means. It's just a really good story told very incredibly through um, an extremely unique, you know, art style and an extremely unique, not unique, I guess, but using sound very uniquely is a better way to describe right. that with right. very good sound design. So awesome game. Lucas Pope, you're a rock star. Um, oh. And then number three, we both can agree on for once. <laughs> Beginner's guide. <laughs> yeah. I love this. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there, there, I, I like to overthink things and not a lot of games or any form of medium or art medium for that matter, whether it's book, music, movies, TV shows has left me in deep in thought and reflecting on things as beginner's guide has it. And I, I said it when we talked about it earlier, but I think you could write a thesis paper on this game, right? Easily, easily. There's so much to unpack in it. And especially when played, uh, and you know, I would put maybe insanely parable third, but I already, I had already played that before, so I kind of knew it was coming in. Admittedly, the novelty of it kind of wears off, I think, at least purely from a gameplay aspect. Still extremely interesting, unique game, but just I kind of knew the beats already and everything that was going to happen and just didn't, it wasn't strong enough to impact me again. But Beginner's Guide, I hadn't played it before. Um, and yeah, I love it from just a storytelling point of view, from a philosophical point of view. It's a dope game, and I think it poses some important questions that anyone should ask themselves and anyone should reflect on. And think critically about, you know, think harder, good ideas yeah. only. Um, <laughs> and I want to mention a very close fourth place for me. Um, almost got third was Oxen Free. Only reason Oxen Free didn't make top three was one, because Vinegar Guys was so good. And two, I've played Oxen Free so many times already um, that the story is not jarring enough to kind of hit as strongly the sixth time you play it. <laughs> uh, if I had played it this year, maybe I'd feel differently, but yeah. Totally get it. Right. Um, I, I echo everything you said about the beginner's guide. Um, really just great. Um, I, I think it's such a great, solid, condensed experience. I love how yeah. linear it is. I love how much it has to say um, in the short amount of time that it says it. And um, it's it's really, I mean, it just goes deeper and deeper and deeper. And then at the end of it, you, you have to watch like an hour long analysis video just to kind of make heads or tails of what's right. going on, which is yeah. what I did. Um, and, and the beginner's guide, I mean, I still get stunned about it when I think about that ending, um, that last final visual that you get, 
um, which is just so, so good. Um, and I love that the beginner's guide pulls all this off with just a regular source engine. Yeah. You know? It's like, it, it's, it, it doesn't look good. Yeah. It doesn't, right? it's not, it's not meant yeah. to. And, and I, that's part of what makes the game, it plays into it too. Oh, absolutely. So, so yeah. if you're, I mean, if, uh, you know, there's a thing you talk about, like when, when you're an artist with technical limitations, then you get certain ideas based off of those technical limitations. And the, the technical limitation of using a singular engine, like the source engine actually plays into the plot of the beginner's guide, which I think makes it even more special, more yes. transparent, more mindfuck, you know, um, it's just, it's just awesome. And, and my, my close fourth place, which I'm calling an honorable mention, um, just want to say it is uh, killer seven, uh, for me, uh, playing it again this year, now that I'm a lot older, um, first played the game when I was very young playing it now. Um, I think it's message is very timeless. I think the game style and the art style, the cell shaded look is actually pretty timeless, um, relative to most games that came out in that era. You know, we're talking kind of mid GameCube era when a lot of those games just don't look that good anymore, <laughs> but killer seven I'm managed a, to, to change or to, to I would have loved life. killer seven as a movie. I think. Oh yeah. I think yeah. that'd be sick. Um, It'd be like uh, like watching Mandy or something like Hobo with the Shotgun. I feel like if you're all familiar with either of those, yeah, I'm surprised. So. I'm surprised Ober didn't didn't make it for you. I thought it would. Yeah, um, I don't know. It's tough, man. We had a really great lineup of games this year. Um, I think I loved most of the games I played this year, and not just for the pod, but just in general. Yeah. Um, I think uh, it was it was a great year for gaming. It was a great year for me personally in gaming. Um, and yeah, Ober Din. I mean, I, I throw all these games on there pretty much, except a way out. Um, <laughs> but, uh, Oprah did. Yeah. Uh, it's a second honorable mention. Yeah. Dang. All right. I think that wraps up our year and recap. Now, Lucas, think about this. We had 10, 11 games, whatever, right. To talk about right now. Mm-hmm. Imagine doing this next year. If we keep this up 26 games <laughs> to talk about quite a bit of games. That's nutty. Yeah. I'll have to That's do a- two, three parts. Yeah. Just. <laughs> December, December next year, it's going to be crazy. Yeah, I agree. There's no way around it. I'm very excited. Yeah. All right, everyone. This has been, you know, um, a, a fun <laughs> experience so far for Lucas and I. And thank you all for being a part of it. We hope you enjoyed this year interview, you know. And let us know, you know, we're entering a new year here. It's 2021. The vaccines are out. You got 600 <laughs> extra dollars in your pocket. <laughs> Anything's possible. Anything's um, possible. Anything's possible. Let us know what you want to see this year, you know, or next year, rather. Let us know what kind of content you want from us. Lucas and I got big plans. We want to start making YouTube stuff. We want to we want to give more to you, the people. And we want to know what the people want to see. You know, this is a symbiotic relationship. You know, it's... um. <laughs> you you watch we we give actually it's pretty parasitic in that regard <laughs> we don't need to get into that um but hey shoot us some suggestions if you know if you want to get in touch with us send us an email at thanks for playing pod at gmail.com or hit us up on instagram or twitter at tfp podcasts that's tfp podcasts with an s at the end and if you want to hang out you know maybe maybe um talk some shit to me about my metroid opinions you can find me uh, on twitter uh, uh, at Good Idea Matthew and on Twitch.tv at Good Idea Matt. Lucas, where can we find you? I am on Twitch, Twitter, and Instagram at Good Idea Lucas. Feel free to uh, hit me up, like some of my photography on my Instagram, or follow me on Twitch to see when I occasionally 
will stream. Yeah. Um, it's going to be a big ladies, year next year. Ladies, <laughs> check out this man's Instagram. Check he it has out. been he's been dropping some some fire lately. I just I'll put, say. I I did bake some banana bread and I did post that on my story. So it, it's some it's some good looking. It's hot. <laughs> it, it, that banana bread was steaming, brother. <laughs> All right, everyone. This has been thanks for playing. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. Catch you next oh, time. Happy holidays. Oh, happy holidays. Yeah, we're universal here. Happy holidays. This has been thanks for playing. Catch you next time. Give it a Thanks for Playing is a production of Good Ideas Only. Your hosts are Lucas Luna and Matt Rockaby. Our music is by the impeccable Samuel Luna, and our logo design was done by the talented Isaac Palestino. Special thanks to the Brocal Bunch and Red Circle 